0: listening to Fanfare Tracks.
1: Because of the following special program, Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. It's time to get all your Star Wars news single file. This is Making Tracks. Here are your hosts, Mark
0: Newbold and Mark
1: Bocaster. That's not true. That's impossible.
0: Welcome to episode 163 of Making Tracks, brought you by those fine folk over at fanfortracks.com. My name's Mark, one of the co-hosts, and of course, Joining me this week is the only man whose invite to the Royal Coronation was somehow lost by the Royal Mail.
1: That's right, it's Mr Mark Newbold. Mark, how you doing, buddy? I'm fine. Which just proves that all postal services should be run by the Royal Females. (laughs) Ha ha ha!
0: Yes, considering the amount of mail that actually I had back returned to me this week, actually I've had three different items that were posted out internationally via the post office. I actually went in to the counter. All three have come back because they're all missing some kind of import or like export duty uh. form or something for different countries. And right, these are free patches that people have asked me to send them after celebration. There is no value. And surely that's kind of what the post office is supposed to do is at least advise me. Maybe that I might need to
1: fill out a form. So, how's your week in Star Wars been, dude? My week in Star Wars, and this will not surprise you after 160 something episodes, has been busy. <gasps> uh, we're gearing up for Star Wars Fan Fun Day, which is this yep. coming weekend. So, I had you talk about the postal service. I had a box ordered by yeah. Brian. So, I designed a special, exclusive Star Wars Fan Fun Day badge. Which, Ooh. if you're attending Star Wars Fan Fun Day, and I hope some of the listeners are, all you've I got am. to do is go up to a member of Phantatracks and say, trackers are everywhere." That's the phrase you've got to use if you want a badge. Just come up to any of the Fanthatracks team and say, is are everywhere, and if they haven't got a badge on them, they will lead you to our very fancy Fanthatrack stand where we will give you one of 300 exclusive Fanthatracks Star Wars Fan Fun Day badges. And so, anyway, yes, the are. box turned up. I am. So the box turned up today, but Brian said, beware, they might come late. I said, if they come late, then no good. He says, <laughs> because there's a problem. There's a problem at customs. Apparently, they want us to pay VAT or some nonsense, and it was all covered and taken care of before. So we were thinking, oh, no, there's going to be a whole hassle with trying to get it through customs and yada, yada. But it didn't, and there wasn't. And they've come. They're here in the room, sat right behind me. So that's a relief. All the other stuff's organised, so we're in good shape for Star Wars Fun Fun Day. Other than that, yes, it's been a good week. We've had May the 4th since we did our last we episode. Have. That was a busy time, and we've had Star Wars Visions, and we've got... I haven't yet started watching Young Jedi Adventures, but I need to, because I'm interviewing the lead actor for Starburst magazine this week, <laughs> so I need to watch those ASAP. So there's all sorts of stuff going on, but in short, and I never do anything in shorts. it's been a good week. How about you? Yeah, it's been pretty cool, actually. It was a, a fairly
0: reserved May the Fourth, you know. It wasn't super bonkers and crazy, which is quite nice, to be fair, considering the previous month for myself, anyway. So that was quite yeah. nice, and uh, got stuck into Visions. Haven't finished all of the episodes yet. I've also been having to share my time with Jedi Survivor as well, so I'm I'm kind of yes. like neck deep in that. Not doing too well on it, but that's only because I'm not particularly a great gamer these days. I don't you know don't really <laughs> play very often. But that's you know that's cool. It's, I mean, it's a stunning, beautiful game, and it's massive. God knows how long it's going to take me to actually complete it. I will probably expect to probably report back this time next year and say, oh,
1: I've just finished it. There's an episode ready for us to record, then. That's that's easy. Exactly,
0: yeah. And everybody will be like, oh, Mulcaster, come on, how slow are you? Didn't you not just put it on story <laughs> mode? No, I'm trying it on a on a harder level, which is probably also not really helping my progress. Big question, then, as it's been made before... <laughs> Have you had any new stuff in
1: your stars collection? I'm turning around and having a look. And in all honesty, no. But, no? Which is kind of sad. Oh. I mean, I'm, I'm very much enjoying the jazzware stuff at the moment. So every time I walk past a shop that sells the little blind boxes of the, the mini figures, the mini sets, the yeah. mini vehicles, I'm picking up one of those. Quite You'll cool. probably get great pleasure out of knowing that the last three times I've picked up a blind box from the second wave of figures, I've had Anakin on his (laughs) staff. I keep getting the same one. Basically, every time that you went up beat boop at the Jazzwares booth at Celebration, they would give you a blind box with the Celebration logo on, which is very, very nice. And they're always got Anakin on his Stap. Hilarious. And now every time I go to Morrison's and it's Anakin on his step So that's you know, that that is what it is. There's lots of those dotted around the room. But other than that, no, I'm I'm still I still haven't built the uh, arcade machine, but I know you and me have had a chat about an idea about that. I'm piling through comics, so I'm way behind on my comic reviews. But I'm slowly week by week catching up because every article takes time to prep because you got to put the pictures in it's not just writing the review; it's prepping the page, so yeah. it's all of
0: that. I mean, because like when I've done them in the past, sometimes you have to reread at least maybe the previous episode, and then you got to read it, and then you have to read it again because you've got to take it in, and then you've got to write it. Sometimes you need to spell check it and all that other stuff. And so actually, even a, a short review sometimes takes a while. I saw on our for Tracks chat the other day you were asking if anybody wanted to do any comic reviews and i literally have i'd probably say now it's getting close to about 10 or 11 inches high of comics and i was thinking yeah mark i'd love to do some comic reviews but the the comics that i'm reading right now if i actually pick one up to read is probably about a year old probably not very relevant it's not the worst problem in the world no exactly um for me well i received not one but two armorers hammers from the celebration store the armorers hammer which is kind of a bottle opener was deemed to be considered a weapon by I don't know it it might have even been Reed pop or it might have been just London Excel security people and it's quite heavy it's got some weight to it and uh, yeah two of them arrived I only ordered one so now I'm thinking what do I do with the second one it's a little bit annoying because they've come in these kind of really really thin plastic bags which I don't necessarily know if they've split or that's just how they've all been put in because both bags have got like a An opening on the side. And the top's got like a Star Celebration Europe kind of logo on it and like a cardboard thing to hang it off of a peg if you were going to hang it on the peg. But they are beautiful. They are lovely. I posted a couple of pictures up on my Instagram the other day. It's got the uh, Celebration Europe logo embossed on it. I feel like it's more like something you'd use for kind of cracking walnuts or something rather than just opening (laughs) bottles. But maybe that's why it's a multifunctional tool. And let's be fair. you know, We saw the armour the other day cracking like skulls open with her hammer on the season finale of Mandalorian. So it might be quite appropriate. Looking forward to doing something with that. I might actually have to display them as a pair or something, kind of have them crossed over or something. So they're pretty cool. They've arrived, so that's that's quite nice. I mean, I've pre-ordered a load of stuff. You know, we had a nice big drop of figure announcements from Hasbro. So I've pre-ordered the figures that I'm now collecting, which I've decided... Rather than doing all the vintage collection figures now, I'm just going to do like a new live action show figures, but ones which have never come out on a vintage card before.
1: That's a good idea.
0: I had to move a load of figures into plastic totes because I haven't got space to have them on display and they're not even displayed properly anyway. So I figured i will just do that and I'm going to keep on buying some of the other stuff like a retro figures like bows i'm still buying all of because i think they're just cool but the new modern vintage collection figures i'm only going to do you know mandalorian book Boba Fett, that obi-wan kenobi and andor from now on and whatever shows come next so ahsoka and skeleton crew and the acolyte so there's still going to be plenty of figures but i just guess i'll be waiting and picking up one or two per wave rather than a full wave every couple of months
1: it's the thing isn't it we've talked about this before you know i've got a nice size room at the top but it's full and you've got yeah. a room that's full, you know, and a and lot of collectors. Not, yeah, it's have... not
0: a nice size room. It's quite well. I mean, it's it's for you know for a dedicated collection room. Actually, it's not bad. Most people don't have a dedicated collection room.
1: Everybody has the same problem in that the event horizon comes quicker than you realize, and all of a sudden there's stuff on the floor and there's stuff in places that you didn't plan it to go, and you're suddenly looking for space to put things. And so you have to be more judicious. And somebody who has this problem, and it is a problem, is Steve Sansweet at Rancho Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan over in Petaluma because he had to get to a point where he had to say, there's too much stuff coming out. There's not enough time and money in the world to stay on top of everything. And so you have to focus. And the fruits of his endeavours is the collection at Rancho. And you, if you're in the Petaluma area on the 21st of October, 2023, can visit Rancho Obi-Wan as part of the Rancho Obi-Wan Gala you have cool. to be a Rancho member, which all the info is available on the front page of Panther Tracks. You can click through the Rancho banner and sign up and be a member of it and go to what is one of the best Star events of any year, let alone this year. I was stoked to hear that they were doing the gala. We'd heard whispers because they haven't done it for a little while with COVID and, and other factors, but Rancho gala's back. I know you've never been. Is it something that's on your, and we've all got bucket lists, is it something that's somewhere on your bucket list to do?
0: It is probably one or maybe the second item down on my bucket list. Uh, to be honest, I think it's a relatively attainable thing. If you, I think if you can get out to a state, it's got to happen. And my thinking is that I'll go out maybe... The next time there's an American celebration, do Galaxy's Edge, do Rancho Obi-Wan and just tick all those boxes. I think, if anything, it just shows respect to the time and the effort and the you know the dedication that Steve and Anne and everybody else at Rancho have had for the Star Wars community over the years, going all the way back to when Steve was a fan relations for Lucasfilm. I had some dealings with him and spoke to him. They're a big part of the collecting community and I think always will be regardless. So it'd be great to get out to a gala. And you've been to gala. You've been to one or two, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I've been to how many have I been to? Five. So 2013, (laughs) yeah, 2013 through to 2017. Couldn't do 2018. I was doing another event, and then they didn't do 2019. They wanted a year off. 20 and 2021, they did virtual galas. 2022, they were gonna do a gala, and then it got postponed. And now here we are. October 21st, Saturday, October 21st, 2023, Rancho Galas is back. So as soon as there's any news, we'll post it straight on the front page of FanthaTracks. And what we will try and do, like we have in the past, we'll try and get Steve and Anne, or Steve or Anne, but hopefully both of them, come back onto Making Tracks, talk a little bit about what's going to be happening at the gala. One of the cool things is they usually come up with a name for it. I can proudly say the 2014 gala, the galaween was my idea, so that's one of my little feathers in my cap that I came up with a name for one of the galas. But uh, don't know what this one's called yet. I did put it out there on the article Rancho Ranch Oktoberfest, as in Rancho Oktoberfest, but it might not sound <laughs> as cool as it looks when it's written down, so maybe that one won't work. This is Steve Bloom, voice of Zebra Elios, and you're listening to Fantha Tracks. Caravast. May the force be with you. So the latest issue of Empire Magazine is out now. It's available already to subscribers, the general public. It is out in newsagents right now. And in there is a whole wadge of stuff about Star Wars. Interviews with Kathleen Kennedy, many of the cast and crew of Skeleton Crew and other projects as well. One of the topics that gets tackled is season two of Andor and Tony Gilroy talking to Empire at Celebration did mention that not only are they over halfway through filming the second season, They're also planning on the final episodes to show the final three days leading up to Rogue One, which sounds very much like what we saw at the beginning of the 2016 movie with Tivik and Cassian on the Ring of Khafrein. We're going to see everything that leads up to that moment. So, Mark, what do you make of that? I think that's super exciting to see how closely they can match the two things together, because there's a good chunk of time between filming Rogue One and filming the final episodes of Andor but leading up into Rogue One like that makes kind of all the sense, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely massively so, because I think also what's going to be nice is that you think that this will run into Rogue One, and then obviously Rogue One then runs into like A New Hope, and so you could almost sit there, and if you were really savvy with a bit of editing software, you could actually cut out all the credits and make them into one giant, massive, mammoth-long single video. That would be kind of uh, something I might have to do at some point, because that would be pretty cool. Maybe I've not really paid much attention. Do we really know what kind of mission Andor was on? At that point, at the start of Rogue One, because he goes to meet Tivik. It's a bit like Bond, isn't it? It's kind of like a cold start, you know, so he's halfway through like a mission. But we don't really know what that's about. So it'd be interesting to see how they tie it all in, because you kind of think if it's going to be the last couple of episodes of... Andor at this point they've got to have some kind of rumblings of like what's going on you know the Emperor's building something you know maybe suddenly Tivik is not just like just a random guy that has got a bit of information maybe he really knows some really juicy intel and that would kind of I think spin it on his head a little bit because he was obviously very disposable at the start of Rogue One he was kind of just there just to kind of show hey yeah Andor's kind of like he means business he's going to yeah. you know, he's going to kill in cold blood if he needs to just to protect himself and the Rebel Alliance
1: well there's an interesting in parallel, because in the latest run of Bounty Hunters, Inferno Squad have just come into the storyline, Inferno Squad from Battlefront 2. In there, they are ha- chasing down Valance because uh-huh. he has knowledge within his sort of data banks. Of the second Death Star, because this is all between Empire and Jedi, yeah. closer to Jedi. They don't know what information he's got, but we as the reader know that that's what he's got, and that's why they're hunting him down. And So it's kind of a tying off all the loose ends stuff. And, yeah. and of course, in, in Rogue One, Tivik's injured, my arm, my arm, I can't climb, and all that stuff. You know, He's freaking out when the Stormtroopers get shot, because he knows he's screwed. I guess it depends on how you read the moment. You know, in Rogue One, when General Draven says to Cassian, make sure that Galen Erso doesn't Survive, he needs to go, and he's sent there to take him out. And you, you kind of left under no illusion that if he had to or was ordered to, and I think this is what season two is building towards showing that Cassian's a guy who will literally do whatever he's ordered to do by the Alliance. If they'd have said, Take Jin out, they would have expected him to take Jin out. And, and until he gets to know yeah. her and understands how driven she is and how genuinely in it she is like he figures Galen out himself sort of thing, that that's part of the mission. And they can't show Cassian being too conscientious in Andor because you almost feel like that's his character development in Rogue One, even Mm, though if you've only seen Rogue One, you've got nowhere to base on where it's coming from other than him taking Tivik out at the beginning to show he's a lethal James Bondian assassin-type character, a killer character. And until when he makes the choice of, I'm not going to kill Galen Ursa on the platform. So I think they've got a a longer run up to that that they can show. We've talked about it endlessly on the show about the AI technology to make actors look younger and what we've got coming up in Dial of Destiny and stuff. So I think now, if they wanted to, I mean, they don't need to. I I don't think any of the actors have aged particularly that much that you would need to do that. Certainly not Diego Luna, which freakishly looks younger now than he did then. But I'm very excited to see how they play it because Andor season one very much felt like Rogue One. I didn't really appreciate how much until I watched Rogue One again the other week and thought, wow, yeah, no, these two marry up really well. So season two, you've got to imagine, will only tighten that dial up even more. Hey, man, it's me, Kevin Smith, Star Wars fan, tracks fan. Not only this year do we get Ahsoka, we also, at the end of the year, get Skeleton Crew. And speaking again to Empire Magazine at Star Wars Celebration, co-creator Christopher Ford discussed the show one of the perceptions of of Skeleton Crew is that it's a kid's show. It's a show that features kids, but Ford makes it very clear that it's not a kid's show. There's real peril, real danger. The stakes are high. Even though it's going to have that ambling 80s kind of feel, I would imagine in relation to the kids' performances as much as anything, these are real high stakes that are on hand at the moment. There's overlaps with characters from the, the Favloni universe, if you want to call it that. What are you making of Skeleton Crew so far? They've really given us very, very little other than if you were in the room. I think there was a bit of a teaser trailer that they showed. What's your sort of vibe so far for Skeleton Crew?
0: So, I mean, I'm interested. I mean, don't get me wrong. I am interested in it and I'm I'm curious about it. I am now at that point whereby the moment people, and I say people because it tends to be more Kathleen Kennedy if I'm honest and I don't want to attack her for it, but she does tend to like to put things in boxes, kind of explain stuff by using other films and other kind of genres and stuff so like this whole big reference point of you know using the emblem films I get that to an extent but I'm also kind of like let's not hang our hat on this is what it's going to be because Mm. for this very reason yeah I don't see any creative worth their salt these days just going we're just going to basically make a Goonies in Star Wars because they're going to want to pull in so (laughs) much other stuff as with Star Wars it is just a uh, kind of a big melting pot of different genres I would expect this to be the same for skeleton crew and if it isn't I think actually it could be a little bit too one note and I think that we may have kind of seen sometimes in the past where where things have come I'm stuck a little bit where they've kind of gone down tonally too much of a singular genre and I think sometimes are uh, points in The Mandalorian where they did that it goes down a little bit too heavier Western kind of vibe and it works, but then it also starts to feel a bit samey. Book of Boba Fett was a little bit like that as well. I think they try to go down this kind of gangster kind of genre without really kind of doing too much else and i think this could be similar or that could be the risk but it sounds like christopher ford is kind of saying actually no and to be fair it'll be quite fun it'd be quite nice to kind of have that slight subversive kind of nature we think it's all light and stuff and actually the the counterpoint to that and the contrast is actually holy crap you know this is actually quite dark and it'd be great to see these kids in some real serious peril really put the screws on because i think you know in some respects again this potentially a gateway show for a whole new range of audiences getting into Star Wars. And so it would be nice to actually feel like there's some proper jeopardy and some consequences on the line by the end of whatever, you know, however many episodes they have in this first season.
1: Jude Law alludes to that. He says his role is complicated. The hot buzz is that his character is some sort of Jedi. But basically, he says they need guidance, but they're vulnerable. And so throughout, the people they meet, you question all of them. Is my character nice? Is he not? You just want them to be all right and get back home. But if you know John and Chris's work, John Watts had done the Spider-Man trilogy, so that's uh, young characters right there, you'll know that the kids aren't always safe. So basically, he says, seeing this galaxy, this world that we've all grown up loving, and the jeopardy, the divides, the heroes, the villains, through the eyes of children, is brilliant. So he's basically saying there that we're seeing the Star Wars galaxy that we know, the black, the white, and the grey in between, through the eyes of kids. The duality is more marked, isn't it? You know, it's good or it's bad. The kids don't see the grey areas, and... I think that could be quite cool because if you go back to when we were kids watching A New Hope for the first time or Empire for the first time, but specifically A New Hope, that is very much black hat, white hat. There's not a lot of gray in Star Wars. We allude to and we fill the gaps ourselves. And I think looking at the Star Wars galaxy through the eyes of younger characters, I don't know what the the age mix is, but they look reasonably young to see it through those kind of characters. One, it's going to give you a sort of a Caravan of Courage vibe, I think. It's going to give you that feel. Mm. You're watching Star Wars Adventures Through the Eyes of Children in a way that you didn't in The Phantom Menace. Anakin was one of those characters, but Anakin was always pretty much the smartest kid in the room because he's the chosen one. He's not a regular kid. He's not Kitster. He's Anakin. If you'd been watching Phantom Menace through the eyes of Kitster and Wolve, it would feel probably a bit more like Skeleton Crew. The You know, the threat is real, the danger is real, Darth Maul actually wants to chop your head off. If Anakin hadn't had the duct, you wouldn't have had Star Wars. The peril is real, but you're watching it through the eyes of kids. So I think to your point, I think Skeleton Crew could be something really, really quite interesting.
0: It'll be interesting to see what they do with a Jude Law character, because as you say, if he is a Jedi, bearing in mind that we have just had a series where we have had a Jedi lead a child, but obviously a very unique and special child in the, the hmm. guise of Princess Leia. I think Obi-Wan, his character to a degree is is very much formed by this point, so therefore it would be very difficult for him to be like really... You know, harsh and and serious with Leia in in some respects, but actually, yeah. If you think, if you kind of put your you know yourself in Jude Law's position, and you've been on the run for what ten years, ten plus years, however long it is, I can't remember when it's set exactly. You know, if he's he's hiding and he's been hiding fairly well from the Empire. You then get mixed up with a load of kids. You don't want those kids to reveal your identity accidentally or on purpose so therefore i could see actually for a lot of this yeah we could be sat there thinking actually is he a good guy or is he a bad guy he could even invariably do stuff that is protecting his own interests and maybe the interests of something bigger than him and the kids over the actual safety of those children at that point in time which will make it quite an interesting watch i think for everything in one location
1: daily news reviews interviews podcasts video and social media feeds Bookmark Fanthatracks.com for Star Wars news 24-7, 365. Yeah! We have to eventize this. That's a direct quote from Kathleen Kennedy speaking once again to Empire Magazine at Star Wars Celebration. She's talking about the wishes and hopes of Lucasfilm and Disney to make Star Wars big screen movies a major event in the way that they once were. Back in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s and the noughties. In a way that you could argue they've not been since The Force Awakens. What do you make of Kathleen Kennedy's comments that we have to eventize Star Wars?
0: Yeah, I kind of feel like she's not really paid attention for the last 40 odd years, if I'm honest. Without sounding like too harsh. Let's be fair, the circus was well and truly in town for The Phantom Menace. Not so much, I don't think, for Attack of the Clones. But then it came back again, Revenge of the Sith. So similarly, it was there for The Force Awakens. And I don't really think it really went away for the sequel, truly. Because I mean, the thing was then, we had the big whoop do doo about, you know, it's the end of a Skywalker saga and stuff. So they amp it up and kind of put a lot of, kind of emphasis on it. But this I mean this is kind of a thing that I think a lot of people feel is that yes, it's it's wonderful having Star Wars year in, year out and having TV shows and everything else. But you just don't get the, the sense of excitement for these things. Even after like we had the end of season two of Mandalorian, I didn't necessarily feel there was much hype in the fandom around the start of season three. There is always a I like too much of one thing is bad, is bad, or at least we take it for granted too much. And I think it would be nice to kind of have a bit of a clearing of space and then, you know, Star Wars to come back with a big emphasis for the next film, be it 2025 or whenever. Maybe it's a, a slight change in their own internal kind of like marketing and kind of how they see the, the productions. But I think the age of having big Star Wars releases in terms of like big events might be just done for the time being just because of the the fact that they've now got an answer to Disney and I think Disney want to have Star Wars across the Disney uh, Plus streaming platform continuously. If If you look at even the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which of course obviously I think to some degree Lucasfilm and Star Wars always, I think they aspire to be and I don't necessarily know if that's a good and healthy aspiration sometimes. You know, we've had films out, since Endgame which have kind of been met with lukewarm reception and so even the Marvel Cinematic Universe isn't far in all cylinders and, and it's not like a big whoop do doo and a big kind of like fanfare every single time Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 probably one of the best films since Endgame as far as I'm concerned Definitely. Definitely. You know, yeah. I just. Yeah. I just don't know if they're, if they're gonna actually be able to do that. And if they do, how do they do that? Because I think sometimes it's supply and demand, isn't it? It's a bit like a drug. You kind of need to give people withdrawal symptoms just to remind them of what they're missing.
1: It's, it's a tough one because I think now, now that Star Wars is so on tap and so on hand, in the sense that go back ten years there wasn't a weekly Star Wars show on StarWars.com that would give you the daily news. There was loads and loads of websites. I mean, there's less websites now than there was then, but, you know, the official website was around then, of course. The Star Wars community was busy and buzzing, and there was lots going on. But now, since, what, 2019 when The Mandalorian launched? And even if you go back to 2014 when Rebels launched, you know, you had Star Wars Rebels on Disney XD, the Return of the Clone Wars and Mandalorian, and, of course, the sequel trilogy is happening at the same time. All of a sudden, there's a lot of Star Wars all the time. And factor in other additional things like, we've just had it, Celebration, things outside of the TV production stuff, basically adds up to Star Wars as a project, as an endeavour, as an IP, however you want to put it, being constantly busy. All right, I'll put it this way. It wouldn't worry me if they said, from now on, you will get a Star Wars film every three years. I don't think trilogies are where they particularly want to take it. My head tells me that with these three new movies, you won't get a sequel to the Daisy film, unless it amazingly does $2 billion, which I can't see a Star Wars film ever doing that again, because we'd waited 10 years for Force Awakens, basically. And even in that 10 years, we'd had all those seasons of the Clone Wars, Rebels had started, other things had happened. You know, that was a big deal, because it was 7, 8, and 9. You know, the trilogy we never thought we'd ever get, so... True. The promise yeah, and the yeah. excitement was, was incredible. So I think that's the only film you can even put hope to put anywhere in the ballpark of, of Phantom Menace, which again was a trilogy we never thought we'd get. Star Wars films now, it's expected. We know we're getting three more films, but I don't think you're kicking off three new trilogies. I think what's probably more likely is that you'll get a TV series based off the back of the Daisy era. You'll get a TV series based off the back of the Dawn of the Jedi. And that's how they'll probably want to take it because Disney Plus as an endeavour, they've got to make it work. Otherwise, Disney's in huge trouble if that doesn't work. So they've got to provide content for that. And a two-hour movie every three years is not enough content for Disney Plus. A one-hour TV episode eight weeks of the year probably is more value to them, a repeatable value than, than that one film. So a lot less expensive as well. So I just wonder what their ideas in that sense are. But going back to this, eventising Star Wars, look, Kathleen Kennedy's our only on Remember on Fantatracks. Far be it from me to have a pop at Kathleen Kennedy. We're very <laughs> grateful to Kathleen Kennedy. It's wonderful that she, she you know, she accepted that. But but the point is, is that to even think that you have to eventise Star Wars, Star Wars doesn't need to be made an event. Star Wars is an event. And I thought of you when I read this article. She says it, I've often brought up Bond that's every three or four years and there wasn't this pressure to feel like you had to have a movie every year. I felt that was very important to Star Wars. We have to eventise this. This is known, you know, when Star Wars came out, sequels weren't a thing when Empire came out. So Empire was the one that really set the template because nobody ever expected a sequel. When they got a sequel, they didn't expect them to spend as much money because sequels never did. And then they didn't expect it to make as much money, and it near as damn it did. Didn't quite, but not far off. By the time Jedi came out, you've got sequels to Star Trek films, you've got sequels to other movies, and then Return of the Jedi came out and it was the biggest, the most bums on seats just insane numbers because people knew now that this was something to look forward to. And then that was it until Phantom Menace, which is why Phantom was such a big deal. And and then we knew we were getting a th- film for three years because Georgia told us we were. And so each yeah. time it came along, I know there was disappointments with Phantom. And you're quite right. Attack of the Clones wasn't the same, but Sith was because that was it. That was the cherry on the cake sort of thing. But Star Wars fans are so used to that. Of course, now new Star Wars fans are used to getting new content every week. You know, we get an episode of Mm. Mandalorian Season 3 on a Wednesday, and by the following Monday, no one's talking about it. And it's just a different world. Can't criticise it. It's just a different world, supply and demand. I think this kind of falls into that problem area of part of me would like the gaps, but only if they exploit the gaps. And I say that in the best sense. Back in the day, especially in the prequel trilogy, where Dark Horse were doing the comics, Delray were doing the books, and so you were learning stuff about the previous film, but being teased about the thing that was coming up ahead. We're not in the trilogy world anymore. They've announced three more, basically three more Star Wars stories. They might as well be Dawn of the Jedi, a Star Wars story. What Ray did next, a Star Wars story. Mando's Last Ride, a Star Wars story. You know, until they're hits and they can expand on it further. You're not leading up to anything in the same way that you are now. It's so hard to try and formalise a response to that because if Star Wars isn't the biggest movie event of the year out of all movies the black hole in the cinema going year that everything else stays as far away from as they can which is what how it used to be that's not how you handle Star Wars on the big screen is it?
0: No I don't think so whatever happens or whenever the Ray film comes out that's got baggage and that's so they're yeah. going to have to work really freaking hard I think to quiet down and block out some of that You know, detractors. I mean, but then I suppose the thing is, you know, if it comes out 2025, 10 years after Force Awakens, if you Mm. were eight when Force Awakens came out and that was your intro to Star Wars, that is going to be like the equivalent of your A New Hope or your Phantom Menace. That in itself, I think, means that, let's be fair, we're getting older. Hopefully Star Wars will outlive us. So therefore, this is going to be about Celebrating those new fans, and so therefore there's going to be maybe a bit of disenfranchisement by some older fans, you know. But you know, hashtag not my Star Wars and all that. I can imagine that's going to come back relatively strong, but that's just how it is. I mean, like you know, I suppose it all depends upon how much you actually want to kind of like break down that comment, whether or not that was just a throwaway comment by Kathy. That's kind of been like over. Emphasized because it's a headline in some of his articles. Because I'm sure she, I, I, you know, obviously every single Bond film to me anyway is a big event, but I don't think it is anywhere near as a big event as Star Wars. You know, I think Star Wars has still probably got the foothold, and I think the big things are like when a new Bond film gets released. Is obviously if it's got a new Bond, that's when all eyes are on on James Bond. I don't necessarily think that statement that she said in that respect was kind of needs to be kind of that heavily focused on, but I do think maybe she's. Trying to get away from the, the tight turnaround, the one year release that they they're set up, and maybe two years for a Star Wars film will be enough time.
1: Hi, this is John Morton from The Empire Strikes Back. I'm Dak Rautha or Bespin Boba, and you're listening to Fantha Tracks. Given that, that now there is so much Star Wars content and yeah. fans are used to as you mentioned if you eight when Force Awakens came out, you're 18 when the Ray film comes out. And let's say you were seven when you started watching Rebels. So I was six when I first saw Star Wars. Until I was 12, I had Star Wars Empire Jedi, the making of documentaries, the odd appearance on The Muppet Show, never saw the holiday special (laughs) until much, much later. The content and the expectation was different. For me, it was the the comics because it was the 80s and it was a different world, so you can't compare. But if a kid now is used to seeing Rebels every week and then sees Clone Wars... And now has Disney Plus and can go back to that wonderful archive of all the stuff and even get curious and go back and watch the Ewoks and Droids and Caravan of Curies and Battle for Endo and all the other stuff they might want to watch or, and really get into it. Do you think that they are feeling, Lucasfilm and Disney, feeling caught between two stools in the sense that on one hand, they would know in their logical head the smart thing to do is exactly what you just said. Do what Disney always used to do, put it in a vault for seven Seven years. years. Just draw it back a little bit and get that anticipation and excitement up again because organically in the past it's worked, but now you've got a fandom, and this has been a worry for a long time. You had a rock-solid fandom. It's only going to get older. The Trek fandom got older. They're still there, but they got older. But now they've brought in all these new kids because every – Yeah, I think we had like 50 weeks in a row with a brand new Trek episode every week, from like Mm -hmm. Picard to Strange New Worlds to Prodigy to Lower Decks, Discovery. Do you think with Star Wars their worry is that now they've gone from a a loyal, rock-solid fan base that is happy to wait three years? Well, I'll wait three years. I've got plenty of things I can be enjoying with Star Wars that doesn't necessitate sitting down every week to watch something new. They've traded that almost for... You could say a transient audience to which Star Wars is just the thing they're into now. And if there isn't more of it, they'll be off when the next DC film hits big or the next Hunger Games prequel comes out or whatever. Do you think that's their worry that they may lose? the audience if they're not giving them content, content, content.
0: Yeah, I mean, but I think that's partly now the, the nature of what society is, the nature of how much content is generated and can be created online by people. And, that. and, and you even see it with some influencers. They, they get a couple of kind of products of Star Wars when Mandalorian's out, and then, you know, next time they're they're doing more pop, you know, they're more generic pop culture. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's, I think now Star Wars is part of uh, the general pop culture tapestry from when it once was, where it, it kind of felt like there was Star Wars and then there was everything else. And obviously that is partly because when I started it, getting into Star Wars, there wasn't any new films out. There was these free on VHS and then suddenly there's some books and some computer games, which is cool, but there was no inkling. I mean, I you know I wasn't reading SFX or Empire or anything like that to know that there was even the hint that there's potentially going to be something else down the line. But now, yeah, I mean, you look, you know, there's a Hunger Games prequel, which I saw the trailer for the other day, and I was like, holy hell, I didn't even know they were making one. The way people just move around and how quickly things can get turned over and people can move on to other stuff possibly is a worry. Not necessarily, you know, there's always going to be a a tried and true diehard fan base, but whether or not that sells enough Disney shares and that keeps the Disney Plus subscriptions ticking over, that's the thing, isn't it? There probably needs to be a balance, and it might be a case that actually you do have to spread out the film releases, and then not only do you give a storytelling a chance to breathe, but also... You give people a chance to kind of still kind of like go back to Disney Plus, and then you can make the Ray film appearing on Disney Plus like a, a bit of an event, rather than it just kind of coming out three weeks after the film's release in the cinema. It'll be interesting to see what they're doing, and I think it's probably more of a like a strategy, like internally as well. I think maybe you know how how much can Lucasfilm really support? You know, if, if you've got two or three big Star Wars movies which are operating at different ends of their timeline which you could almost say could be like your own micro-franchises. Can they support those? Do they need to scale up? Is this possibly partly where the issue is is actually Lucasfilm itself needs to scale up to be able to support these productions properly?
1: And there's another problem as well, and you've just said something very interesting. When Rogue One came out, the amount of people who went to see Rogue One or went to see Rogue One expecting to see what happened next in The Force Awakens, not understanding that it, that Rogue One wasn't a sequel to The Force Awakens, which sounds ridiculous to us fans who know the stories and the timeline and such. But the amount of people that went not knowing that it was a totally different time period, that's the Death Star from the first film. What, the first film with the little the little boy? No, no, the first film that came out in 1977 with just explaining that to people. And now you're going to have a scenario, potentially a repeat of that, where the Ray film will be first, and then it will probably be the Dawn of the Jedi, James Mangold film, you would assume, and then wrapping it up with the end of this era of the Filoni, Favloni, Favreau, whatever, story of the Avengers, that in 2029, if that's the way they play it. Three very different timelines, separated some cases by decades but others by centuries millennia it's going to be interesting to see how they pitch that because by then who knows what we're going to have on television we'll have had the lando series hopefully we'll have had another couple of seasons of mando another couple of seasons of ahsoka by the time you know the filoni film comes out you're looking at probably five years time so who knows what we'll have had as you say there are all these little franchises within the broader ip but they're all out there in the zeitgeist they're all out there on social media These days, kids watch most things on their phone or on tabs or on laptops, you know, if they can't get to the cinema. But, you know, that's not the prerogative. That's not the driver for a lot of people who want to see Star Wars these days. They don't really care if they see it on a TV screen, a 50, 60 inch TV screen or whether they go and see it at the cinema. For us, it's like, it's a Star Wars film at the cinema. Look Mm -hmm. at how many of us went to see Return of the Jedi the other week, a 40-year-old film we've all seen 100 times, and we were there with buckets of popcorn chomping away like, this is the coolest thing ever. That proved that eventising Star Wars is, one, a priority, two, an absolute no-brainer, but three, if you do it right, the easiest thing in the world to do.
0: So i think we'll leave that topic there for now because i'm pretty sure it'll be something that we will no doubt in some shape way or form circle back to at a later date and probably when we either hear more information about the releases of the new films or actually when kathleen kennedy gets in front of a microphone again either way if you've got any thoughts or theories or questions or just kind of comments about actually anything that we've discussed in this week's episode or any episode of making track please send them in and so mark can you let the listeners know how they can do that
1: you know, funnily enough, I can. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to Making Tracks. If you want to be a part of the action and stay so updated on all the latest Star Wars news, visit Fantatracks.com or check out the free... Ooh, free... <sighs> Panther Tracks app through the app store to follow us on your mobile device. I can literally hear you scratching. You can reach out to us and send in your listeners questions by emailing radio at phantatracks.com Get your questions in. Didn't have one this week? Didn't have one last week? Maybe have one next week? Who knows? We'll find out soon. Comment, like, and share on any of our social media feeds at Phantatracks and be sure to subscribe, leave a review, preferably a five-star one, on Amazon Music, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or your podcatcher or smart speaker of choice and as always thanks to James Temple for composing the Panther Tracks intro, Anna O'Brien for our Making Tracks opening music and Mark Daniel and Vanessa Marshall for our voiceovers remember tune in to Good Morning Tatooine it's live Sunday evenings at 9 o'clock UK time 4pm Eastern 1pm Pacific on Facebook and YouTube and check out our Panther Tracks Radio Friday Night Rotation it's every Friday night 7 o'clock UK time for new episodes of the Phantom Down Under Planet Layer Desert Planet Disc. Start Your Engines Collecting Tracks Cannon Fodder and special episodes of Making Tracks and every Tuesday at 7 o'clock UK time for your weekly episode of Making Tracks and remember episode coming episode 164 will be a live episode from Star Wars Fan Fun Day because we're both going to be there and we're going to find Somewhere noisy to record it because, you know, we like the ambiance. So I'll see you next week, mate. <laughs>
0: yes, you will. I will see you in a couple of days, actually. Yeah, everybody else, I will see you on the flip side. So stay safe, take care, and remember, may the force be with you. Coming up next on Fantha Tracks Radio, it's Cannon Fodder.